Tonight I would like to introduce you to someone who receives sinners. Jesus. If you already have a good grasp of the gospel, it won't be surprising to hear you say that Jesus receives sinners. But for many people, hearing Jesus described like that as somebody who receives sinners is surprising. And this is because many people are operating with a faulty definition of Christianity. Many people, perhaps even some of you, think that Christianity is basically a religion in which people try hard to be good enough for God. And if they are successful in that, or at least successful enough, close enough, then God will accept them and God will receive them. And so God receives good people, not sinners, good people. After all, that's what Christianity is, isn't it? That's the way many people think of Christianity. And so when they hear Jesus receives sinners, it's surprising. In reality, Christianity is not a religion in which people try hard to be good enough for God. Listen. Christianity is not a religion in which people try hard to be good enough for God. Christianity is much different than that. Biblical Christianity is a bunch of sinners who have come to recognize our sinfulness. And who have come to love and trust Jesus, believing that Jesus receives sinners. Like us. Christianity is a bunch of people who each individually confess, as the old familiar hymn puts it, I once was lost. And yet now, by the grace of God, am found. Jesus receives sinners. That's the first point of tonight's message. Look at Luke chapter 15 and verse 2, which we just read. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man, that's Jesus, this man receives sinners and eats with them. They accuse Jesus of this receiving sinners as if it were a fault. And here Jesus has every opportunity to change his ways. To get up and leave the table. Oh, those are... I didn't know those were sinners. He has every opportunity to get up and separate himself from the sinners. He has every opportunity to deny that he receives sinners. Wait, you got the facts wrong. These people are not sinners. Jesus has every opportunity here to qualify... The manner in which he receives sinners by saying something like, well, don't get the wrong impression. Yes, these are sinners and yes, I'm with them, but I merely tolerate them. You see, Jesus has every opportunity to set the record straight here. They accuse Jesus of being someone who receives sinners and eats with them as if it were a fault. And Jesus has every opportunity here to get up and separate himself from sinners Deny that they are sinners 
and correct the Pharisees' erroneous misunderstanding, or to qualify the manner in which he receives sinners and basically say, listen, I keep them at arm's length, I just merely tolerate them. Jesus has every opportunity to adjust the Pharisees' expectations, or pardon me, to correct the Pharisees' understanding of what it is that's happening here. But what does Jesus do instead? Jesus tells three stories, each of which actually emphasizes the fact that, yes, Jesus receives sinners. First, there is the lost sheep. He tells a simple story. A man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost and the shepherd goes and finds it. The Bible tells us that all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Whose fault is it when a sheep goes astray? Some might blame the shepherd. Well, he should have been watching more closely. But realistically, the effect that a shepherd has on a bunch of sheep is that they wander less. Not that they wander more. In other words, the shepherd didn't cause the wandering. It's not as if the sheep were doing fine in the field until the shepherd came and then they all started going in different directions. You understand that that the blame for the wandering lies with the sheep. The shepherd's there to correct that. It's the sheep's fault when the sheep wanders away. The shepherd did not drive the sheep away. The The sheep is responsible for his own wandering when he goes astray. And whose fault is it when we, like sheep, go astray? Whose fault is it when each of us, everyone, turns to our own way? It's our own fault. Would Jesus receive a lost sheep, lost by his own volition, gone from the flock by his own free will? Would Jesus receive a sinner lost like a sheep? Absolutely. Second, there is a lost coin. Again, the story is very simple. A woman has ten coins and she loses one. Apparently, these were very valuable, very, very valuable coins. It's not like she lost a dollar. These are very, very valuable pieces. She's stressed about it and she looks and she finds it. Who can blame a coin for getting lost? Who has ever scolded a coin once found? Why did you wander off? Some people only ever talk about sinners as victims. Poor Judas, for example. Perhaps he had a dysfunctional family. Perhaps Judas was abused. His sin was probably just his own way of coping with his emotional turmoil. And on and on it goes, never resting responsibility for sin in the lap of the sinner. The analogy of being lost like a sheep 
corrects that sort of one-dimensional approach to human sin. But the parable of the lost coin prohibits us from overcorrecting and committing the equal and opposite error. Yes, we are ultimately responsible for the choices that we make. Whatever the reasons may be that we made such choices. But many have come from dysfunctional families. Many have been abused or suffered other sorts of trauma. Many people, in fact, all people, we do sin as a way of coping with our own inner turmoil. In a very real sense, we are lost by our own volition. All we like sheep have gone astray. And we are guilty and responsible for what we've done. At the same time, at the same time, in our quiet moments, sometimes we pause and we look around at our lives. And we think, like a lost coin might, could it think? How did I end up here? How did I become the person that I have become? I am lost. Would Jesus receive a sinner lost like a coin? Absolutely. The third story that Jesus tells is of a father and two sons. And the one son asks for his inheritance early before his father passes away. And he takes the money and he goes and he squanders it in the far country. He becomes so poor that he ends up feeding the pigs. And he's so hungry feeding the pigs that he wishes he could just eat some of the pigs' food. This story teaches us that however it is that we get to the point of realizing our lostness, whenever it is that we get to the point of realizing our lostness, however it is that we come to our senses, as the young man in the pigsty did, when we are ready to go home, when we're ready to go home, and we face The question, would Jesus receive a sinner lost like a rebellious son? The answer is as it has been in the first two stories. Absolutely. Jesus receives sinners. Lost like sheep. Lost like coins. Lost like rebellious sons. Our second point this evening is that Jesus joyfully receives sinners. With these three stories, Jesus is answering the Pharisees' accusation that he receives sinners in the affirmative. He enters a guilty plea, so to speak. Guilty as charged. I do receive sinners. Moreover, I like receiving sinners. It brings me joy 
to receive sinners. Look at Luke 15 and verse 5. He lays the lost sheep on his shoulders, rejoicing. And verse 6, he says to his friends and neighbors, rejoice with me. And in verse 9, the woman who has found the lost coin says to her friends and neighbors, rejoice with me. And in verse 20, we see the father seeing the son a long way off, feeling compassion, running and embracing his son and kissing him. And in verse 32, the father says to his other son, it is fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and he is alive. He was lost and is found. The meaning of these reactions of these characters in the story, the shepherd who finds the sheep, the woman who finds the coin, the father who brings his son home, the meaning of these reactions of the characters in these stories is spelled out for us in crystal clear terms by Jesus in verses 7 and 10. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who, I might add, supposedly need no repentance. Jesus isn't teaching us that there actually are people like that. I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Luke 15 tells us how God feels, so to speak, about receiving sinners. How His incarnate Son, the second person of the Trinity, feels about receiving sinners. Not only does Jesus receive sinners, but He joyfully receives sinners. Friends, are you lost? Like a sheep, you've gone astray. You have turned to your own way. Are you lost, guilty and responsible for the choices that you have made in your life that have driven you away from God, taken you away from God? Are you lost like a sheep? Are you lost like a coin? You look around and you go, how did I end up here? I am so far from God. How did this happen? How have I become this person that I am? I did not see my life going this way, but here I am. How did I get so far from God? Are you lost like a rebellious son? You have disrespected God. You've been in open rebellion towards Him and it has left you destitute. You're in the pigsty. Not really happy with where you are, but not really sure if you can go home. Friend, are you lost? Would Jesus have you? Joyfully. 
What bearing does this message have on our understanding of Christmas? Essentially this. Jesus was born in order to come looking, searching, so to speak, for lost sheep, lost coins, and lost rebellious sons. This passage speaks of the shepherd not only receiving the lost sheep, as if someone else went and found it and tied a rope around its neck and led it back to the shepherd, and the shepherd said, oh, there he is, thank you, and receives him back into the flock. This passage speaks of the woman not only receiving the lost coin, as if someone else said, hey, I was walking past your house and I saw something shiny in the dirt outside and I looked and it was a coin. And I knocked on your door figuring it might be yours. And she joyfully receives it. This passage tells us not only that the father received the son home as if the son walked all the way up the long driveway and got his nerves up to knock on the front door. And the butler opened it and the butler called the father and the father came and received That doesn't go far enough. This passage tells us that the shepherd went looking for the sheep. This passage tells us that the woman went looking for the coin. And how would the father see the son a long way off unless he was looking for him to come home? As it says in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. All we like sheep had gone astray. All we like coins had gotten lost. All we like rebellious sons had spurned God our Father and went into the far country to do our own thing. We left undone what God required in His law. The things we should have, we didn't. We transgressed God's law. The things that we should not have, we did. That's what sin is. That's the essence of our lostness. Our sinfulness is our lostness. Our lostness is our sinfulness. But Jesus came looking for us. Like a shepherd for a sheep. Like a woman for a coin. And like a father for a son. Jesus was born. We all know that. We all know that Jesus was born. But we may not know, and we might not gather it from all the sentimentalism around us at Christmas time. We might not know why Jesus was born. Jesus was born in order to come looking, searching for lost sheep, lost coins, and lost rebellious sons. Jesus lived a sinless life for such people. Offering to God the obedience that we should have, but we didn't. 
Jesus died a punishment bearing death for such people on the cross. Bearing in Himself the penalty that we deserved ourselves to bear. Jesus rose again on the third day after the debt that was owing to God was paid. After His work was done. After the Scriptures were fulfilled and there was no more reason for Him to stay dead. And by His life, death, and resurrection He found and brought home lost sheep, lost coins, and lost rebellious sons. So what do we do with this information? Who in Luke 15 is Jesus with? Who in Luke 15 is Jesus with? The sinners or those who think they're not sinners? Look at verses 1 and 2. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near. The Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. Who is Jesus with? Jesus is with the sinners. And those who are grumbling about that are the ones that are at arm's length. The ones that see themselves as above sinners. In other words, they don't see their need to be with sinners and with Jesus. They're the ones who Jesus is not with. Jesus is with the sinners. The Pharisees and the scribes and the older brother in the third story are all at arm's length from Jesus. Invited in like the rest, but refusing to join the festivities. Do you see yourself as a sinner? Or do you think you have no need to draw near to a Savior because you don't really have anything to be saved from? The first thing you should do in response to this passage is see yourself as a sinner. Those who don't think that they need to go home will stay in the pigsty. You will remain a lost sheep, a lost coin, or a lost rebellious son or daughter until you see yourself as lost and in need of going home. The second thing that you ought to do with this passage is draw near to Jesus like the sinners in this passage. Will you, like the tax collectors and sinners here, draw near to Jesus? Will you join yourself to Him and His people? 
Will you go where all the other sinners are? To Jesus. Will you come into the celebration? To use the metaphor from the third story. You're invited in. There's a bunch of sinners in there having a good time. Trusting in Jesus. Loving Jesus. Rejoicing with the angels and with God Himself. That they're home. That they're found. Will you draw near to Jesus? Don't stay like the older brother in the third story outside the house. Don't stay like the Pharisees and the scribes in verse 2. At arm's length from Jesus. Come into the household of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Shift your confidence in terms of your standing before God away from any supposed righteousness that you think you have. And shift that confidence to Jesus. The one who came to seek and to save the lost. Who lived perfectly. Who died substitutionarily. For sinners like us. Admit that you're lost. And rest all hope of being forgiven. Found. In Jesus. That's what it means when the Bible says believe. That's what it means when the Bible says have faith. Rest all your hope. In the life death, and resurrection of Jesus. The one who joyfully receives sinners.